Hey guys, it's Mom Taraj, the podcast about being a mom that thinks that most mom stuff is super boring. So we created our own posse. I'm Ashley. And I'm Carrie. And we are ready to walk you down the red carpet of motherhood. Hey, everybody. Hi, friends. Happy Wednesday. We have got a great show for you today. First, we're chatting with Stacey Francis about how to plan for your divorce and what you should do if you ever become a widow. I know this does not sound like a fun topic, but let me just tell you, this was a really good interview. You're going to learn a lot. Isn't it Murphy's Law, though, if you plan ahead, it won't happen? Then start planning, bitches. Then we've got some piping fresh hot out of the oven gas. It's been a hot second since we've done it and Ashley and I are just gossip whores. And as always, we have our hashtag swag bag and up next, take it away, small child. The tits and the sits. My tits are, I'm finally done taking all the tests. We've been talking about it in multiple episodes, how you're trying to get your kid into a blue ribbon school. I was trying to get my kid into this fancy private school, but I'm also trying to get myself into a master's degree program. So it has just been recommendation letter after recommendation letter. It's been nonstop. And so one, my kid got into that school. Yay! I'm under review for being accepted. So it feels like a weight is off my chest. There's just so many things to get done. And I had to take old-fashioned essay. Style tests that I was really nervous Ew. about. At home or at a place? I chose to do it at home. You could also do it at a place, but I was like, no, thank you. I don't like people. But it was kind of hard doing it at home because they have real strict guidelines, as they should. I had to show them my whole room. I had to be at a certain kind of desk. The whole thing was so robotic and weird. I was like, maybe I would have liked doing it at a place. I don't know. Anyway, I passed with flying colors, which was nice. Now it's just like, let go and let God. Let go and let God. I I didn't say God. I just said God because I don't know. Maybe people don't believe in God. Oh. That's my tits. And then I guess this isn't really shits. It's like a shit tit combo. Two episodes ago when I talked about my dad's addiction issue, I was really nervous putting it out there because I have a half brother and I have a half sister and I have family that listens. I knew I needed to do it. It was important. And I've always wanted to talk about it so that I could help other people. I was a little bit nervous about it. And I guess I still am, although I just don't care because I just feel like in this day and age, who doesn't have someone in their family that is an addict. Right. I just hope that I can help somebody and that somebody listening maybe had never thought about talking to their kid that young or maybe they have also been hiding family member secrets. I do pretty well for myself. I'm a kind person. I'm a good person. I don't have any doubts about that. I'm pretty bitchy, but I'm a good person. I just think it's also important to show that you can have all these things happen to you and still be a person that shows up in the world and people are like, oh yeah, look at her. I would really selfishly love to hear from you guys. Hello at momtouragepodcast.com or on the interwebs. How you felt hearing it for solidarity because I honestly don't hear a lot of people talking about it in that way. Some of my family members reached out afterwards and were like, I'm crying listening to this episode. I had no idea all these years you were going through that. Huh. And you know, one of them is my cousin who I'm so close to. And it just has made me look back at my childhood in a different way. And it makes me really sad for little Carrie. Little Carrie dealing with all that burden and all those secrets. Yeah. And that's something that I'm dealing with now in therapy, trying to heal little Carrie. Aren't we all? The tits and the shits of it was the first step is doing the thing that you didn't want to do, which is I didn't want to out one of my parents as being an addict. And I did. 
Right. And now the healing begins. And it's just amazing since I said it out loud on the show, I'm having all of these memories of childhood that I had just kind of suppressed. And now they're all coming up. And I know that they need to come up and out in order to heal. So I'm happy they're coming out. But man, what a roller coaster. Yeah, I can only imagine. So anyway, that's a tit and a shit because they always say the only way out is through. And so I'm in the through part. I'm getting through it. But some days I'm just all of a sudden knocked down on my knees crying, remembering something that I have basically buried for over 30 years. It's crazy. Yeah. I really would like to hear from you guys because the reason why I talked about it is because I haven't heard of it enough. And so I would love to hear from you guys if you feel comfortable. I'm not going to read your stuff over the airways. It's mostly just for me to feel like oh, there's other people going there. It's a selfish ask, honestly. Well, at least you're being honest. Yeah, it's totally selfish. So my shits are, and they're not really shits. I think I've talked about this on the show that breastfeeding really ruined my boobs. I'm not a girl who has had Botox or anything else and no shame to doing that. It's just not my bag so far in life. Who knows what may change? However, I am actively looking into having a breast lift. I keep getting targeted ads on TikTok for this non-surgical breast lift at V-Spot in the city owned by Real Housewives of New York City alumni of one season, Cindy Barshop. So I had to go into the city to take Sebastian to the Encanto thing and I figured, you know what, it's right next door, let me go get it. Did you take him with you? Yeah, he sat in the waiting room and waited for me. He did cause some of the issues, so might as well. Yeah, and when we were leaving, he goes, Mama, don't do nothing to your boobs. Your boobs are good. And I was like, okay, thank you. That's really cute, actually. It is. I thought I would tell you guys a little bit about it. I am not going to do it because it just doesn't seem worth it to me. But basically, the cost is $3,600. And essentially what it is, is just a vampire facial for your boobs. And for those of you who don't know what a vampire facial is, it is when they draw your blood and then they put it in one of those machines that swirls it around and it separates the red blood cells, I guess, from PRP, what that stands for. I don't know. But that's what they then put needles in your face and reinject it. So they do the same thing to your boobs. It's mostly in your cleavage area. They give you laughing gas because there's so many needles going into you. She was not shy about saying how much needlework there was. She says it takes about six months for it to fully go into effect. She said your nipples would go from pointing down to just pointing up, like a centimeter. For that amount of money and that amount of pain, I feel like I'd rather just be cut into, even though that's really what I was trying to avoid. Right. But I figured I'd share that in case anyone else has been looking into this. And I'll update. I'm currently trying to find out who the guy in the city is who does great boob jobs. We all know we'd go to Sonia Morgan's guy for a facelift, Dr. Janoko, because he looks incredible. God bless. He literally does miracle work. He takes women that look like they're 65 and then makes them look 32 and natural. He is so good. If anyone needs a facelift, that's the guy, I think. So I got to find a boob guy and then we'll go from there. My tits are in this making the portfolio. A lot of it has been very strong. Stressful, but we decided for his personal component, put it in an episode of Sebastian's show and finally make the theme song after all this time and put in a little making of. I heard that theme song. It was like dubstep a little bit. Look, it by no means is this professional quality theme song, but I think it was so appropriate and so perfect for a little five-year-old. He picked everything. This was totally his doing. I just think it came out so cute. It was real cute. I was really 
really proud of him. And also, we had a lot of fun doing it. Matt and I are on the keyboard and maracas. It's sitting there being like, what do you think about this? And Smash is going, no, no, I don't like that. It was just a fun family jam band thing, which is not usually what I'm into, but I was really into it. And in other news, Matt and I are doing a film study. We're watching all the Wes Anderson movies in order from the beginning. We've gotten through Bottle Rocket, Rushmore, Royal Tenenbaums. The only one of those three I had seen ever was Royal Tenenbaums. And here's what I've learned. Although I very much enjoy the aesthetic vision of Wes Anderson. Not really a fan of the stories. Oh, I love it. I do like Life Aquatic. That's up next. That's one of my least favorites and my friend Matt's in it. Oh, that end scene where they're in the submarine underwater seeing all those cool cartoony fish and star floors playing. I just think that's one of the most visually impressive fun scenes. But I'm not into the storylines. I'm going to see it all the way through. You and I have very different film aesthetics. Yeah, it's not my thing. But that being said, I'm really excited for the new Wes Anderson movie, the one that's about rockets going into space. It looks beautiful. Favorite line from Rushmore. These are ORs. Scrubs. Oh. Oh, are, are they? they? <laughs> also, Jason Schwartzman has definitely had a nose job. I'm sure. I just never noticed until I watched Rushmore and I was like, he doesn't look like that. It was very subtle, but it was a nose job. It was subtle in that I don't think we notice. I also think he doesn't work enough. He's no Kardashian, you know? He's not in our face all the time. He told the doctor, hey, I still want a big nose. I just want a refined big nose. It's been very refined, though. Right. Just go look at screenshots. It was a much bigger difference than your nose job. Speaking Speaking of my nose job, how could we not? I went to go call my doctor for my year follow-up. And I was like, hi, I'm calling to schedule my one-year follow-up. And she goes, you don't have an appointment. I was like, no, I know. I'm calling to make an appointment. And she goes, yeah, you don't have one and we don't have any. I was like, you have zero appointments from now until the end of time. And they're like, yeah, he doesn't work here anymore. Why not lead with that? I know. She's like, and we're not going to have another plastic surgeon ENT back at this office. What? I said, I've never had this happen. So what do you do now? She's like, I don't know. Call your insurance. Oh, my God. I was like, well, thank God I follow my doctor on social media because I reached out to him and I was like, yo, doc, because I want to see him. He did the work. Right. The other doctor isn't going to guarantee the work. It isn't like I have to go find a new dentist. It's a plastic surgeon who like made me a nose. It's particular. I picked that doctor for a reason. I don't want to just go to Eddie Joe Schmo. No, I agree with you. All right. Next up, Stacey Francis. Today's guest is the founder and CEO of Francis Financial, who has over 20 years experience in the financial industry. She is a certified financial planner, certified divorce financial analyst, certified grief recovery specialist, and certified estate and trust specialist. She is also the host of the Financially Ever After podcast and the author of Financial Help for Widows, a complete resource guide, as well as unveiling the unspoken truth, the financial challenges women face during and after divorce. Welcome, Stacey Francis. It's great to be here, Ashley. You are very qualified. I have quite a story of what brought me to this field and why I created my own company and why financial empowerment for women is so important. My grandmother was in an abusive marriage and unfortunately she never left, but there was also financial abuse, which is in 98% of situation where there's uh, physical or emotional abuse. And she felt financially trapped. It was unbelievably traumatic for her, obviously, also to see her go through that 
that, someone you love so much. And she ended up passing away because of the abuse when I was relatively young. With that, I have so much passion for what I do and such a mission. I truly believe that I was put on this earth to be a mom to my kids, but also to do this work because women, wherever you are, whatever your relationship situation is or is not, money is really important. And it's not important for the Gucci bag. That's not what we're talking about. Agreed. We're talking about money is important to give you options, to give your family, your children options. An exit strategy if you need it. All these things. Sometimes we as women don't like to realize how important money can be. Yeah. Because it feels kind of icky to say that, but it's true. For me, I never wanted to be in a situation where I didn't understand our home's finances. There are plenty of things I don't understand. I have no idea where to access my husband's 401k, all these kinds of other things that we'll get into in our conversation. But I am the one that handles the bills every month. I have a spreadsheet. He may work and make more of the money, but I'm the one that handles it so that if anything ever happens, I'm very well versed in what to do in that situation. Can you give us a better understanding of what it is you do? I actually do two things. The first thing I did was created a beautiful charity a little over 20 years ago in honor of my grandmother called Savvy Ladies. And I want to offer this as a resource for all the women who are listening today. It's a 501c3 nonprofit that you can reach out to. We make over 5,000 matches between women who have financial questions and certified financial planners through a helpline to work free of charge. It makes me so happy. How nice. Congratulations. Thank you. It's a wonderful place. We have workshops, we have seminars, we have panels. It's all free of charge. So any financial question under the sun, we have a workshop seminar for you. We also even have over 200 courses. And then if you have additional questions, we can match you with a certified financial planner to work free of charge again through the helpline savvyladies.org. And there's two V's there because I say it's very, very good. And then I launched Francis Financial the year after to actually pay for the charity. Because something I learned that I never knew before is that charities, people don't necessarily give you money in the way that you might think that they might do that. So I knew that I was going to have to bankroll the charity myself. So that's what I did. I started Francis Financial and we work with women too, but typically women who have portfolios that we can help them manage in financial planning. Most of our clients have about $2 million or more that we manage for them. Starting or in their investments? Managed in their investments. So it can be your 401k, it can be a brokerage account, anything for longer term investing. We wouldn't include the value of your home. We advise you on mortgages and all of that, but we wouldn't want to charge on that or what you need to keep in cash in your emergency fund. I love that I have both Francis Financial and Savvy Ladies because we can't work with everyone through Francis Financial. Yeah. And so having Savvy Ladies as a resource is really helpful. Francis Financial is really helpful for the woman who is thinking about the divorce process or going through or after where it has been pretty complicated. Lots of assets, many different kinds of assets, maybe even even restricted stock units or stock options. Questions about, do I stay in the primary home? Do I sell it? And those women who are married and their spouse maybe has been diagnosed with a terminal illness and or unfortunately he has passed away. The vast majority of our clients have been involved in the finances like you, Ashley, which I just want to say high five for being the bill pay involved really in that piece. But many of them don't feel like they have have as much of a handle on the other stuff, the long-term financial advisory and the planning 
understand their financial roadmap, what's going on with the 401k and the IRA and the blah, blah, blah. We're coming in to kind of help them manage everything. So manage their investment portfolio, but then also build a financial plan out to age 95 to show, can we afford to send the kids to college? What does that look like? Do you need to go back to work? If so, what do you need to earn? Should you be taking social security or should you be waiting till age 70? Just all of those questions. So I really wanted to focus today on the in case of emergency exit route, because I think it's something that women, we don't talk about, not even just women. I don't hear men often talk about, well, this is my plan for the divorce in a year. So I'd like to talk about those things because although they're uncomfortable and they're not fun, they are pivotal. I thought to myself, I would have no idea. I would be so shattered if Matt passed away suddenly that I would have no idea what to do. So let's start with divorce. What can someone do if they're thinking about divorce, but they don't have a financial plan? Additionally, what should they plan for if they haven't been the one handling their finances? The first piece, whether you're thinking about getting a divorce or not, is getting more engaged around the finances. And if that hasn't been your role in the past and you're worried that your spouse may be curious as to why are you getting involved now. There are a lot of Hallmark movies out there where he's passed away, she's left and has no idea what's going on and essentially is the damsel distress. So you just watch one of those, realize that I need to get involved and quite frankly, get involved. That means that first step is doing exactly what you're doing, Ashley. That is taking over the bill paying. That is such an empowering place to because you see everything. You see all the income coming in and you also see the money going out. Yeah. And there's so much knowledge that comes from that of understanding what does it cost for our lifestyles of family? Absolutely. That is imperative because that's going to go into your situation of what do I need for child support? What will I need for spousal support? My income, is that going to be enough? Do I need to switch my career? Or maybe do I have to, in a few years, go back to work? It's going to help you start to see after the divorce, that vacuum, that hole and what it needs to be filled with. So that's the first piece. I also have have to say that our clients that understand their income and their expenses, their divorce is typically half the cost. Wow. Because they don't have to go on a huge fact-finding mission to figure all this out. And that goes to my second piece, is getting a very clear handle on all the assets and all the debts. And when I say all the assets, it's the things you think about, the checking the savings accounts, any CDs, but it's also work assets such as, is there a 401k? Life insurance, is that included in there? Exactly. Life insurance, is there life insurance at work? Is there any type of deferred compensation at work or stock options, restricted stock units, restricted stock awards? Is there a health savings account? Is there an IRA, of course, that 401k. Is there a brokerage account somewhere? 529 plans to save for college education for the kids. So getting a real clear picture of anything that has a dollar attached to it, the value of the cars, value of your home, value of real estate properties, business, all of that. I have a wonderful spreadsheet that is in the book I wrote called Unveiling the Unspoken Truth. It's for women, divorce, and money. You can start to fill that out. What a great tool. And then the second thing 
thing is the debt piece. And that's a piece we often don't think about, but mortgages, home equity lines of credits, any leases on cars or car loans, credit card debt, school loans, that's where that all goes. And the reason this is important is when you're looking at your future life, you need to understand what your financial foundation is going to be. And assuming that those are marital assets, meaning that they were earned and accumulated during the marriage, then most situations, they'll be split half and half. There are variations here and there, but typically half and half. And so that's something you can think about of, okay, if I had half of this value of assets, how could I live my life? What do I need to do to, again, fill in the holes? And what do I need to do to recover? Typically within about a two-year period, men recover from a divorce and actually have more money in their pocket. For women, we typically never recover. Wow. How is that possible when typically men are paying things like spousal support, child support? This is not the case in all marriages, but typically one person is out earning the other. Often in a relationship, one person has put their career on the back seat to be able to take care of children, to be able to take care of parents, to be able to do all the things that we know need to be done. This day and age, it's still typically the female partner. Not in all. In fact, the number of breadwinning women, interestingly enough, I'm one of them, the number of breadwinning women is higher than we've ever seen. Love that. In the history of the United States. But what ends up happening is whoever that person who was not the breadwinner is the one who financially struggles the most because they don't have a career to fall back on to recoup those dollars lost in the divorce. And they've missed so much time. And they've missed so much time. Okay. So I don't think anyone really wants to think about this. I know that it sends me into a panic, but it's very important. So losing your partner can be devastating and having to handle your financials can feel very overwhelming in an emotional time. So what are the most important things to do when you lose a loved one? So for many people, it's the same steps when they are alive, getting involved with the bill paying, really understanding where every dollar is, what the passcode is, the username, and having all of that information. If you don't, are you screwed? I know my husband, he takes out $25 every week and puts it into some kind of investment account. I don't have access to that. So is that something if he died tomorrow, would I be able to gain access to that? Or no, because I don't have the password. So you would have a hard time gaining access to it because you would have to figure out the username and password. If you knew the institution where that is located, you could call them, you could give them a death certificate, and then they would release the information to you. But I will tell you the amount of time and heartache that that will take and the number of times you'll have to be on the phone or sending emails saying, my husband passed away, my husband passed away, my husband passed away. It really is soul sucking. So the more information you have, the better. And the other thing I will say is to put together your team. And if he has a terminal illness, that team while he's living is a team for caring. If you need breaks of caring, for him, making sure that you have worked with a healthcare concierge to make sure that they can bring care in, that you have the right health insurance and that you know what health insurance is going to cover, that you use this time to put all of your estate planning documents in order, that if your spouse has a terminal disease, that you yourself get life insurance on you to make sure that if God forbid something happens to you, that the kids are going to be okay when both parents are gone, and that you get a therapist, and not just a therapist, but a therapist that specializes in grief, and if you have young children, specializes in grief 
for children. And then I would say the third is getting a financial planner. So hopefully you have a fantastic financial advisor already. That being said, eight out of 10 women leave their financial advisor within one year of their spouse's passing. Why is that? It typically means that she feels like she's not being heard by him. And I only say him because two out of 10 financial advisors are women, 80% are men. She's not feeling like she's being heard. So get that planner in place before so that you have your fantastic pedestal of support so that they can step in to take that heavy burden off of you and also so that you don't make financial mistakes. When you're doing all the beautiful, what kind of flowers do I want at each table and all the hoopla that goes into planning a wedding, this is one of the things that they should teach you and they don't. I have to say that while it seems very straightforward, there's a lot of pieces, a lot of worries that come up when you are either seeing your marriage starting to crumble or you're seeing the health of your spouse take a down turn. Sometimes it's easier just to ignore it. But what I just really want to plead with people, Ashley, is do this for you. And if you feel like you can't do it for you, then do it for your children. Your children will suffer. They will suffer if you don't get involved with the finances and know what you have and what you don't have. The last thing you ever want is your children to worry about their financial safety. Absolutely. What are the specific financial documents that need to be collected during this time? And if your spouse was working, how do you navigate handling their retirement accounts and benefits? This is actually for divorce, but it's also for if your spouse has passed away and you do not have any real clear picture of what the finances look like. The first thing you can do is take a look at the tax return and meet with your accountant. What's great about tax returns is they are going to tell you any asset that's producing capital gains, interest, or dividends. So all the bank accounts, all the brokerage accounts, they're going to be there. The most recent, correct? Exactly. So it's going to show you capital gains, losses, and interest right there as one of the schedules. So you can start to see all the institutions where money is at and also how much they're earning and not earning. So that's a great place to at least know, okay, where are some of these assets? And then what you can do is you can call those institutions or look for the usernames and passwords, log in and get account statements, which is really helpful. For work, you you can find out that information if your spouse has passed away by submitting a death certificate. And then the HR department will tell you everything and give you account statements for the 401k, for the health savings account there, if there's any restricted stock options or deferred compensation, information about the life insurance that you have also through his work, because he will have some type of life insurance through work. And so that's very helpful. If you don't have that information and you're going through the divorce and he's not disclosing it, super easy to get it. Have your lawyer subpoena his employer. Super easy, not expensive. And then by law, they have to release everything. They have to get financially naked about him. Love that. The same thing with that information that you found on the tax return of the different institutions and where there's money. If you don't have a brokerage statement and you're going through a divorce, and again, your spouse is not being so compliant, that's fine. We're just going to subpoena that organization. We'll subpoena Wells Fargo. And they, again, have to give us absolutely everything in your name. So if you want to play hardball, we'll do it. It's not expensive to do. And the best thing you can do is to give your lawyer the information about which financial institutions to subpoena. There are some divorces where one person decides that they're going to be an absolute son of a blank and they're going to try and jerk you around and not disclose the assets. And guess what? You can't do that. We will find them and we will find more information than you ever thought we could. So don't screw around. You're such a baddie. I love 
love it. Well, that's why my marriage is so strong. We're going on 21 years and I think he's slightly afraid, (laughs) but it works really well for our marriage. It works really well. (laughs) But I do have to say we are financial equals. I think that it's a big part of why we've had such a good marriage. I love that. Because we're both involved. He does all the bill pay and I hate that stuff. I know where all the money's going and I know what the expenses are. I'm not worried about you knowing where everything is. On the opposite end, I'm dealing with the accountant, with the tax return, with the financial plan updates, the investing. We come together once a month and we have our financial date. We've done this for decades. And so that way we can see where everything is. And one of the things that we are talking about this week during our financial date night, he's like, I'm feeling like things are financially tight. I'm like, I am too. So let's look into it. We are hitting all of our savings goals. We are doing all these things. And I realize it's because, well, in the beginning of the year is when all of our big bills happen. Like the life insurance we have to pay for, our disability insurance policy, our long-term care insurance policy. It's when we start to pay next year's tuition for our kids' private school. And it's also when we pre-fund our 401k plan. So instead of having it out of each paycheck, which is great, what we try to do in the beginning of the year is just take the entire amount that we can put in for the year. We try and put it in as soon as we can. So it has then a whole year to work for us. That's amazing. That was really good for us to talk about, well, this is normal. This is why we're feeling a little tight. And so instead of a big vacation over the summer, we're like, you know, let's just give ourselves some more flexibility this year. We had to do a huge renovation because our house flooded last year. Let's do less of a vacation during the summer, just something small. We'll see the family and we'll save a little extra so that our emergency fund, we can build up a little bit more because we realize that the emergency fund is not as much as we want it to be to give us really that true peace of mind. And I have to say that the couples that we see are happiest and have the most healthy relationship are the ones where they're working together. They don't have to both have equal earnings. They don't have to each be working either, but they come together ideally once a month and have these conversations about where are we financially. They're both going to the meetings with a financial advisor too. So we have a question that we ask all of our guests. I wanted to put a little spin on it for you. Our question always is, what's the number one thing you think every parent should outsource if they have the means to do so? But for you specifically, what's the number one thing you think every parent or person should outsource in the divorce and death process if they have the means to do so? Outsource everything that deals with your money with the caveat. You need to be really involved still. So I don't want that to be outsource. I'm going to give it to my financial advisor and trust that they're doing everything right. You don't want to do that. You want to be involved, but you do want to have a teammate. Yeah, You do want to have a teammate that can help guide you, listen to you, hear you, and support you to make sure that all of your financial decisions through the divorce and after or after your husband has passed away, that you're on the right financial track, that they are there hand in hand, stepping through this journey with you, supporting you, answering your questions and making sure that you're making the best decisions. We can outsource our laundry and the house cleaning. There's no question. I believe that that's very important if you can afford to do so. But you have to be careful when you're talking about your money to make sure that you're not just replacing the role of your husband of being totally in control of the money with a financial advisor. Yeah, putting someone else in his place. Yeah, because as scary as it is to really dive into this, the women who I know who feel most confident 
confident about their financial abilities and have the most financial peace of mind are the ones who still are involved. They're not watching CNBC every day, which again, I wouldn't do that. The goal of your financial advisor is actually to put earmuffs on so that you don't have to hear that noise. But they're involved, they're learning, they understand everything they need to about their financial situation, and they have the experts to help them when there are pieces that they don't maybe feel like they have as much knowledge about as they'd like. Thank you so much for sharing all of your insight. Can you please plug yourself? Tell everyone where they can find all your different things. I mentioned SavvyLadies.org. That's a great resource for education and also to work one-on-one with an advisor for support questions here and there. And then through Francis Financial, you can go on the website and there you can see a link to the two books I wrote. One of them I mentioned before, Unveiling the Unspoken Truth, Women, Divorce, and Money. It's a fantastic book. We interviewed over 150 women who had been through divorce to say, what would you share with your best friend? who is thinking about divorce of how to make sure you're prepared. And then we also bring our financial expertise. So some great worksheets and to-dos there. And also another book that I actually just wrote called Financial Help for Widows. It's a complete resource guide that's also on the website. It's all free of charge. Please, please, please use them. That's why I wrote them. It makes my heart so happy to see women empowered. And one of the ways that we can be empowered is to start to take care of ourselves financially. And I will tell you the added benefit is that our kids will notice that. One of our biggest hopes that we all have for our children is that they are financially successful and safe. And I will tell you that how you take care of yourself, they are watching. In everything. In everything, especially the girls. And if you can show them how to be a strong, confident woman who takes care of herself and her money, that will be passed on to your kids. And what better gift than that? Okie dokie. Hot goss. Let's hot it up. So I thought we should start with the fact that they are back to film the rest of Rust. The film where it was halted after an on-set shooting of cinematographer Helena Hutchins in New Mexico. I think they should just not make that movie. Yeah, it seems kind of weird to me that they're just continuing to make it. But the involuntary manslaughter charges have been dropped against Alec Baldwin. I mean, what did you think about that from the beginning? They did sort of cut corners on the film. Something needs to be done and someone needs to be charged. Now, I'm sure it's not the only film. I've worked on stuff tons of times. Corners have been cut. Everything's cut all the time. Some charge needs to be made for someone. I just don't know enough about the legal system to know. It's a horrible accident that I think without cutting corners and doing other safety things could have been avoided. So someone needs to be charged with something. What do you think? I don't know what kind of penalty I think people should pay. I don't think that Alec Baldwin should be held accountable, but I definitely think a very big consequence has happened, and that is somebody lost their life unnecessarily, and there were checks that are supposed to happen that prevent something like this from happening, and I don't remember the specifics because this was a while ago. Remember the shooting happened in 2021, but we've heard that the firearms expert on set was pretty reckless and was, if I remember correctly, someone's kid. And they just kind of were like, here, you take this job. A very famous firearms expert's kid. Yeah. Then it's like, does the firearms expert become the one that's held accountable? Or is it the people that hired them? They hired somebody assuming that they would be able to do their job properly. And obviously they didn't. I mean, nobody wins. And the only person that loses is that woman and her family. There's no real right answer. It was clearly an accident in every way, but it's really sad. And I just think it's weird that they're continuing to make it. Are you familiar with what's happening with back? Girl and HBO. Ish. Essentially, Warner Brothers greenlit, shot, 
edited. There is a finished Batgirl movie that will never see the light of day because apparently in this whole HBO, Discovery, Warner coming all together, becoming one company, the guy who makes those decisions was like, well, we'll use it as a tax write-off. It's weird that a fully finished movie was totally scrapped. And yet this movie where somebody died, they were like, well, let's go back and finish it. It's just a odd choice. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not pointing fingers. I just think it's weird. You know when they start shooting again, that shit is going to be haunted, poltergeist style. I hope that's at least the retribution that ghost gets. Not to make a joke out of it, seriously. Yeah. Okay. Have you been hearing the name Sophia Richie a lot? Oh yeah, bitch got married. Wasn't she underage when she dated Scott Distick or something? I don't know if she was underage, but she was much younger than him. He's in his 40s and she's 23 currently. So yes, there's a reason you're hearing her name nonstop. And that's because I believe, this is my Ashley Heron Smith belief, this is all a plan. So apparently she has that one TikToker octopus lover, whatever his name is. Octopus pussy. Is that what it is? Neurotic little guy who does funny commentaries. Yeah, he does little bits. Yeah. Yeah, him. He, I guess, grew up with the guy she married, Elliot Grange. But there's just a lot of strategic moves that have been made. And I think along with all the wedding stuff, I think she has really seized this opportunity to use this as a thing that propels her into the spotlight. What does she do? I think she's just an influencer chick. She used to model. I don't know if she still does. Isn't she Lionel Richie's daughter? Yes. And Nicole Richie's half-sister. Right. Even though Nicole Richie's adopted, but you know, she's the half-sister. I find it very interesting. It seems like a very Kardashian strategy move. And I wish I was in all those planning meetings. This is your wheelhouse. You love this stuff. My bread and butter. Yeah. I love the strategy of a PR move and stuff. I'm surprised you weren't in PR. I dealt with publicists all the time. It was an untapped interest for me. I never knew it was something I was into. I think it developed when I worked at Martha and I would see how PR works with a celebrity to make things happen and then getting wiser to blind items and pop culture and how things come about. And now in this age of influencer, it's just so fascinating. The first time PR or the power of it had ever really come into my vision was when I heard that Gretchen Mole's rich dad put up a billboard of her. I remember that story. Looking like Betty Page. And then she got the Betty Page movie. And she was just, I guess, an aspiring model and she hadn't really broken into acting yet. And that her dad buying her that billboard on Sunset Boulevard then propelled her to start getting meetings for acting. Isn't she rumored to be a Weinstein girl too? Yes. And that didn't really work out. It's not like she has Blake Lively or Jennifer Lawrence's. She did have a moment, but then that moment was gone pretty quickly. She had a very brief, very under the radar moment. I don't think Suzanne in Ohio knows who Gretchen Mole is. Probably not. Can you imagine having sex? Allegedly, allegedly, allegedly with Harvey Weinstein to kind of solidify your role in Hollywood. And the best you got is some East and West Coasters know your name. What a bummer. Sorry for you, Gretchen. I'm going to be real with you. I've had sex with grosser men for nothing. (laughs) (laughs) That is sad. I don't like that for you. Just thought I'd share. It doesn't get any grosser than the troll under the bridge, Harvey Weinstein. Did we ever talk about Harvey Weinstein's penis? It's deformed a little bit, right? No, not a little bit. It is deformed by a lot. Apparently he got, I guess, like gangrene in his dick. Oof, that's the worst place to get it. (laughs) Yeah, and it stopped working. And so he had to have a surgery where they put his testicles in his inner thighs. Oh, dear. 
dear God. Apparently there's a photo if you really want to see it. I think I'm good. I'm already feeling a little nauseous today. Thank you. This is not a rumor. This is totally true. Just so you know, he has a fucked penis. Okay, moving on. Please do. Kim Kardashian is going to be on the new season of American Horror Story, co-starring Emma Roberts. There have been fun little ditties I've been following that have come out. I have a couple things to say about this, but I'll let you go first. Okay. Evan Peters apparently, allegedly, refused to be in this season of American Horror Story. Also, Patti Lapone, queen of shit-talking. That, watch what happens live. Oh, I didn't even watch it. Matt loves Patti Lapone. He loves Me her. Too. He calls her PL. I send him TikToks that are about Patti Lapone. He lives for the drama bitch queen that Patti Lapone is, which I just think is one of my favorite facts about my husband. So she was on Watch What Happens Live talking to Andy Cohen. He asked her about Kim Car- Kardashian and the quote is excuse me excuse me Kim you know what are you doing with your life don't get on the stage Miss Worthington Lupone continued referencing the English playwright and composer Noel Coward's 1935 song Mrs. Worthington about overly zealous momagers that was the part that I loved I was like how many people that saw this got that fucking deep cut honestly I would not have gotten it except for this write up over here she was in an over one million dollar lawsuit with Andrew Lloyd Webber. Her hatred for Andrew Lloyd Webber, I love more than anything because I also share that hatred. And it's just because I don't like his shows. When she did Evita, she goes, obviously this role was written by a masochist man. He has the woman shouting a G above high C the entire show. She's such a cunt. What she gets so fired up about is so niche. God bless Patti Lapone. I would love to see a cage fight with her and Bernadette Peters. Do they not like each other? I don't know, but I would love to see that. And I'll also, four people would watch. Me and all my theater friends. Me, Matt, you, a bunch of gay dudes in the city? Yeah. Tucker Carlson has been fired from Fox News. Took long enough. Ding dong, the witch is dead, but he's not the only witch. Fox News itself is also the witch. I know, they're gonna have to burn it to the ground. We haven't been given a definitive reason as to why he was fired yet. They just had to pay a butt ton of money to the Dominion voting systems. But they're also saying that it may be related to the discrimination lawsuit filed by Abby Grossberg, a producer fired by the network last month, where she alleged that she was being bullied and subjected to anti-Semitic comments, according to a lawsuit in New York. In deposition testimony, the former Fox News producer also said she was coerced by company lawyers to give misleading answers in the Dominion voting system's defamation case against the network. Also, I can't believe I'm going to reference Bill O'Reilly, but I saw a clip of his show where he said, I can't verify whether this is true or not, this is according to Bill O'Reilly, she videoed some of the things Tucker Carlson was saying, and her lawyers then went to Fox and were like, hey, pay us a lot of money for this. And they were like, no. And so they sued. And now, I guess she's going to get some money. I am so disheartened in general by the world. Listen, cancel culture is good and bad, in my opinion. Agreed. It's good in that it's finally showing the underbelly of some really horrible things that have been going on in the world for a long time. Everyone has a camera. Everyone has a recorder now. So things done not in public, but in private-ish 
are being shown and people are getting their just desserts. However, I do think it is a little bit crazy, and I might get in trouble for this, but it is how I feel. In the early years of the 80s and 90s, when not everybody had a camera, we did not know about appropriation like we do now. And so me dressing as a geisha for Halloween when I was seven. Right, it's not something that should be held against you now. But if I were a celebrity, they could dig that up and be like, look at Carrie at seven years old appropriating a geisha. I think that kind of thing is unfortunate because now I wouldn't dress my kid as a geisha because I know that you can't really do that. However, I wasn't making fun of geisha. I was like, I love Asian culture. You and I talk about this all the time. And although I realize geishas are Japanese, I have talked about I love a Chinese Mandarin collar. I love those beautiful silk shirts and those beautiful silk dresses. Personally, I think I should be able to wear that. I'm not trying to take someone's culture. I think about this all the time. What if I became famous? I have lots of saris that I have worn because I lived in India. Remember everyone got all up in arms about Carrie and and just like that, season one, wearing that sari. But she's not mocking anything. She's taking part in culture. I would have been treated extremely differently if I was dressed in Western clothing. So in order to assimilate into culture and not make a big deal out of a white blonde girl being in India, I dressed in Indian clothes as respect or all the times that my friends who are Indian were in Indian weddings and they asked me if I would wear Indian garb at their wedding because they knew I had it and they knew I felt comfortable wearing it. If I become famous, someone going to pull up a picture of me at my friend Rini's wedding wearing a sari when that was what she asked her close friends to wear as respect for her culture? I think about my grandparents. They didn't think if someone spoke to them in Spanish that they were trying to be rude. It was very dependent on in what way, but somebody speaking Spanish to them because they wanted to practice their Spanish or take part in their culture, in no way would they have been offended and said like, don't talk to me like that. If it was the cable company that they were calling to straighten out a bill and they said, oh, we're going to transfer you to a Spanish speaking person, that's when they would get upset and say, what's the matter? You know, speak English? For the most part, if you're just trying to take part in a culture out of admiration, out of respect, out of love, I agree with you. Just like when you go to Europe and you go in a church, you know, churches in the United States, people dress however they want to dress. But in Europe and Catholic countries, you better cover your shoulders and maybe your head. Absolutely. When in Rome, literally. Even when people do do something bad. Let's say somebody does something bad now and they have the wherewithal. They were living in woke times where everybody knows these things, right? Depending on the severity of what they do, because obviously there's a whole range of what someone could do. But if someone does something that's really minor, they apologize, they take accountability, and they work to never do that again, it's kind of unfair that four years after Louis C.K. was jerking off in front of people, he's getting his career back, but somebody who does something else doesn't. Circling it back to the original content of Fox News. Yeah. You have to be on your best behavior at your job. 100%. I'm not talking about a party that you have at your house. I'm talking about these things that were happening happened on the job. Just to bring it back, you do need to be your most woke and your best behavior and have your big kid HR pants on when you are at your job. I'm not making a pass for bad behavior in any way, but for sure, at your job, get it together. Also, that's not a new concept that you need to be professional at work. That was something I was taught my entire life growing up. I don't understand when people were like, let's go talk shit about Jews at work or talk about that chick's ass. People were like, ah, this is fine. Yeah. In other firing news, Don Lemon has been fired by CNN. I feel like Don Lemon has been the CNN fuck up poster child to some extent. 
for a number of years. He said a number of messed up things, specifically misogynistic comments. I think last year he said something about how women over 50 are no longer in their prime. Don, I agree with you. I do not feel in my prime and I'm not even 50. There are rumors that CNN wanted it buried under the Tucker Carlson news. And I feel like they were pretty successful at that. It was almost in a Kardashian type way. But this really funny tidbit came out in the Variety article. I guess CNN was doing this big docuseries about Black America and all the top news reporters were waiting to hear who was going to get the assignment. And it ended up going to Soledad O'Brien, who is Afro-Cuban. And Don Lemon, apparently in a room of 30 employees, said she's not even Black. And so people reported him. And Variety reached out to Soledad O'Brien about his firing. And she basically said, I'm paraphrasing here, Don has a long history of stupid, idiotic comments. And I'm pretty sure she used the term idiotic. And I was like, oh, this is great. I love this drama that's happening in the news world. This is fantastic. Also, CNN was bought by a conservative. So stop watching CNN if you're not conservative because there's a conservative slant to your news now. I hate to give words to something that might not be true, but this is my favorite content. Britney Spears recently, two weeks ago, it's now off the interwebs because her new favorite thing is have it on for a few hours and then take it off Instagram. Posted a picture of a young girl on a floor with Easter stuff and she posted all these Easter emojis and like happy Easter a basket of this and a little something more and it was a child and there's been long rumors that maybe she had a secret baby too much and so people are like one Easter was a while ago Brittany this is a late (laughs) post two something more would that be a tiny baby child that I see on the floor too much I'm so glad all this madness has died down because it was just getting so extreme and so crazy maybe the baby's a robot I definitely am on board that there's all this deep fake shit happening now that it's not really Britney doing all of that. We've seen too much proof at this point. This woman just did a TED Talk. She's head of CIA's disguises department, which I want that position. I know, that sounds like the best job ever. Can you imagine the costume room? It was like FBI head of disguise. I was like, ooh. There must be a whole wig room. Her husband was the Ben Affleck. It always has to come back to Ben Affleck, guys. Sorry, Eve. The Ben Affleck guy in Argo. The TV guy who helped. The CIA lady's husband. Yes, that was her husband. He was the head of disguise first and he did work for Hollywood in special effects costumes and makeup. And then she took over and she's the current and she showed all these instances of where political figures showed up to things and it wasn't the person. I believe that. We know for a fact Saddam Hussein had multiple people that they paid to have plastic surgery to look like him. She showed some instances where you could see just the hair, a little bit of a flap that was caught. And her showing up in various costumes to presidents to show that it would work. They were close friends and they had no idea it was her. That just makes me feel like, well, of course, there's a Britney Spears masked person. Hello, the director of disguise got a hold of whatever. Anyway, I want to be the director of disguise, guys, if that job posting is open. That sounds like the best job. Can I apply for it on LinkedIn? Probably not. Probably not. Kanye West and his new wife went to Applebee's. No, Cheesecake Factory. Cheesecake Factory is so much better than Applebee's. The menu itself, it's a Bible. What did they order, you think? He looked into it. She looked like she was not eating. The Cheesecake Factory has a perfect dirty martini on the menu. And I used to go to the one in Americana in Glendale and have myself that dirty blue cheese olive martini. And I was always amazed that Cheesecake Factory could knock it out of the park like that. They have an Asian-inspired miso salmon with dirty black rice. Ooh. Cheesecake Factory, I don't hate on it. Our next holiday party for three. 
you, me, and Eve will be at <laughs> Cheesecake the Cheesecake Factory. Factory. <laughs> There's rumors Meghan Markle has had plastic surgery, and the pictures look kind of convincing. That'd be good for her. I know you like Harry and Markle. I could care less. No, the reason I care, and it's not because I like them, because I have very mixed feelings about them. I care because I've never seen people do so much to constantly be in the center of public attention. Like I That's just- like every girl I know, and guy I know, who's like, just leave me alone, and then they thirst trap 37 pictures. It's everybody. They're just regular. I had a roommate in college who all the nerdy guys we were friends with thought was so hot. I didn't think she was, but she would do things like, guys, I have to change. Don't look at me. And then turn her back, but then strategically change in front of a mirror. Yeah. It's just that in a different way. And I didn't mean to say just girls because I have guy friends that do the same thing that are like, oh, like a lot of attention. And then they post some rando picture where you can kind of see they're bold or whatever. And you're like, okay, all right. That's how we got our leopard momtrage tracksuits is all because I somehow stumbled upon user reviews and it showed a guy in it and his dick bulge was down to his knee and I was like oh my god this is what momtrage needs I was like well wait that tracksuit's really cute that seems like a very momtrage thing it should have come with a prosthetic dick maybe some versions do hashtag swag bag So mine is the Winky Lux Confetti Lip Balm. I was totally influenced. The women at Mom Edit posted clothes. And then she's like, oh, you guys have been asking about my lip gloss that I keep wearing in these posts. It's the Winky Lux Confetti. So Winky Lux is a brand. You see it at Target all the time. They're really cute. A lot of their lipsticks look clear. And then when you put them on, it's that color changing technology that matches enzymatically. I don't know, science. I don't get it. I've tried a couple of their colors now. And the best one is the confetti one. And it looks like a little bullet. I think I've seen it. I got a Target 18 bucks. My only thing is that I eat off lip gloss so quickly I have to reapply constantly. Me too. I just have not found any kind of lip stick slash chapstick that will stay on my lips. I just have to reapply it constantly. I've done it before. I'm doing it again. This is your seasonal reminder. It's the greatest. It's the Trader Joe's Lemongrass Coconut Body Oil with almond and jojoba oils. I'm almost positive this is a natural bug repellent because it's lemongrass. It was. So in Puerto Rico, I have notoriously always gotten crazy bug bites and I put that on and I got zero. However, it does stain your clothes. I have not noticed that. I don't get itchy eczema. I just think it's the best in the summer and in this weather where we're starting to think about bugs. I hate being sweaty and putting on thick cream. It just feels really yucky to me. I think it's $4.99. It's the absolute fucking best. On that same note, super goop dupe face sunscreen. Oh, did you buy it? It's amazing and I've been using it on all the track kids. It's a jelly form. It's really good and it works. I no longer like that one. I like the glow screen from super goop, but apparently Elf makes a dupe. I'm waiting for my nice expensive super hoop to finish and then I'm going to try the elf one and I will report back if it's any good. That was a fun episode. You learned what to do if you get divorced or your husband or partner dies and you got the hot goss. And you learned that Harvey Weinstein has a very unfortunate situation. <laughs> I'm going to find the picture and I'm just going to find ways to bomb you with the picture. Ugh. I'm going to look right now. Harvey Weinstein. Anyway, have a great day guys. Bye guys. Bye. 
Bye. Okay, that's our show today, folks. Thank you so much for giving us a listen. Please do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe or follow. We are out here on our own, and these things really, really matter. We want to hear from you. Tell us what you want to hear. Email us at hello at momtouragepodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, all at Momtourage Podcast to hang out with us all week long. We are here for you. You are not alone. We got you. So go ahead, girl. Know this posse is behind you and go slay. Momtourage is a Cafe Mom podcast written and produced by Ashley Herring-Smith and Carrie Sotero. Recorded and mixed by Lee Mars. Our theme song, MILF, is by the band Mama Drama. You can find them on Instagram at mamadramaband or mamadramaband.com. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.